Hi, boys and girls. Like you, Santa is listening to the Merry Little Podcast of MyMerryChristmas.com. Merry Christmas and welcome to a new episode of the Merry Little Podcast of MyMerryChristmas.com. My name is Jeff Westover, founder and lead tenor of the choir at the Merry Forums of MyMerryChristmas.com, the world's greatest Christmas community now celebrating 30 years of Christmas together online. This episode of the Merry Little Podcast is brought to you by SantaUpdate.com, our own Santa tracker brought to you from the North Pole Direct and the many good elves at Kringle Radio, serving you online and on the air since 1991, longer than any other Santa tracker online. Be sure to join the Tracking of Santa Live on Kringle Radio starting on December 23rd, which will be broadcast and shared on all of our Merry websites. That great worldwide radio broadcast, heard last year in 133 countries around the world, centers on Christmas music, an inexhaustible source of Christmas joy and inspiration. I'm lucky to live in a part of the world where Christmas music literally rings in our hills, mountains, and canyons here in the great state of Utah. It is a huge part of our culture and one in which I personally relish. For many years, you have heard me via the website, our radio streams and podcasts, carry on about the annual Christmas concert of the Tabernacle Choir and Orchestra at Temple Square. Many of you have exchanged notes with me about these great events as you've seen them via PBS or on the many DVDs that are available. The backdrop for all this Christmas comes from a part of downtown Salt Lake City known as Temple Square, a 10-acre plot anchored by the magnificent Salt Lake Temple and the famous Tabernacle at Temple Square. This splendid setting is home to one of the great Christmas-lighted nativity displays in the country, if not the entire world, and it is the centerpiece to a downtown area that is abuzz with Christmas activity every December. It's also home to the Conference Center, a location used for sacred and cultural events, including the Christmas concerts of the Tabernacle Choir. The choir, too, has been a part of our family culture for generations, and my Christmas traditions just would not be complete without playing all of the old albums that go with all of the new DVDs. In our current series of the Merry Little Podcast about Christmas during the 20th century, we highlighted the first recording attempts of the choir from way back in 1910. Since that time, generations of people worldwide have grown up with the choir in their ears through a weekly radio program continuously running since 1929 called Music and the Spoken Word. In addition, the choir has produced several award-winning albums and annually produces a Christmas concert that plays to tens of thousands locally in Salt Lake City and is later broadcast on PBS Nationwide. 
These annual Christmas concerts feature guest artists that range from Broadway and pop performers to guest narrators who are actors of stage and screen, as well as news personalities and historians. All of this, the atmosphere of the city, the beauty of the lights and the nativity scenes, and the art and culture shared in these great venues has long been a part of my personal Christmas. So it is a special thrill in this episode to get a chance to speak at long last with Scott Barrick, manager of the Tabernacle Choir these past two decades. Coincidentally, this conversation comes on the heels of a new 20-year retrospective of the great Christmas concerts of this century by the Tabernacle Choir. You've been with the choir for about the last 20 years as well, right? That's right. Yeah, I joined in November of 2001. Angela Lansbury was my first concert three weeks after I started. The only one that I wasn't there for was Gladys Knight. Okay. Well, I got to see Gladys Knight, and you missed a good show. <laughs> uh, but, you know, it's interesting to me to think back on that. Seeing her in that video uh, kind of reminded me of how this has all evolved and become bigger over the years. Uh-huh. Um, do you personally have a favorite moment that stands out in 20 years of Christmas shows? Uh, I, I, the Sesame was, was, it was my favorite because I, I've loved the Muppets. Uh, I mean, I have to go back and tell you, I've been married 40 years. When, um, when, I, when my wife and I got married, that the, was when the Muppet movie was in theaters. Yep, okay. At my wedding reception, so my, I'm a singer. My wife is my accompanist. I married my accompanist. At our wedding reception, there was nobody to sing. So I, I sang at my own reception. We sang Rainbow Connection from the Muppet movie. Oh, that's awesome. So, now, it was Kermit the Frog, and, and the Sesame Street workshop isn't Kermit, but um, but I've loved the Muppets ever since. So yeah. that, that was clearly a favorite show. But it is, it's like saying, you know, which of your children are the favorite. Some, some parents can say that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I can't uh, for my three children, but but there there are um, there there were wonderful moments about each one, but that one that one is a special place in my heart. I can recall that year, and some people were saying, "Really, the Muppets is going to be a kid show," and I'm thinking. Anybody who says that has never watched the Muppets, first of all, <laughs> uh, because there's a lot of what I would call mature humor with yeah, the Muppets. Well, the, the the Muppets are like the scriptures, right? Yeah, it, it, there's it's he who out here is to hear, let him hear, right? It's exactly. all different levels. <laughs> exactly, yeah. exactly. But uh, you know, for me, it it kind of showcased just how far the reach is. There have been some years where I've gone to the to the concert and I felt a little bit over my head with some of the material that was presented because I wasn't familiar with it by name all the time. Uh -huh. And so quite honestly, uh, when I would look at the program and, you know, cause going to the concert is always a huge event. And, uh, and so I, you know, you study the program, you're thinking, why, why don't I know this song or whatever? And what I would always look for was arranged by Mac Wilbur. <laughs> now I don't think he would appreciate this, but he's a rock star in our house <laughs> and in most circles that I talk to yeah, because right. he's got, uh, so many gifts, but as an arranger, 
uh, he has a way of just ripping out my heart, yeah. you know, and, and moving me to tears. Uh, one of my favorite moments was when uh, uh, they did um, the first Noel. I had really no huge connection to that song until that concert. And I don't know when it was 2003, 2004, uh, Frederica von Stad. He's got to be the foremost uh, arranger out there. Well, he he doesn't like us to publicize this, and so we don't. You won't see it in any of our press releases or on our website. But he is Oxford University Press's leading choral arranger. They sell yeah. more Mac Wilburg arrangements yeah. than anybody else. The only real um, competition, if you can call it that way, is John Rutter. Right. John isn't published by Oxford, and so they don't really compete. But um, you know, it's it's a rarefied atmosphere of choral arrangers, that's for sure. Does Mac Wilberg realize that a lot of people flock to the Christmas program because of him? He would he would say, no, it's a, it's the choir. <laughs> well, it is the choir. And that's another thing that I would I would share with you is that, you know what? Uh, the guest artists that are brought on are fantastic. Uh, the narrators. I mean, you know, there's it's always top drawer. But. To me, the star of the show has always been the choir and the orchestra. And one of the reasons a lot of people don't realize it is that I've got neighbors and friends up there. For me. <laughs> and, and a lot of folks don't realize that these are all volunteers. Yeah. Uh, very talented volunteers who go through quite a process to be yeah. a part of that. Well, and Jeff, here's an interesting thing. You know, it was 555 days from March until September when the choir rehearsed again. Mac Wilberg, he said to the choir and orchestra, I think we have come back stronger. Um, and the people that have been listening to the new broadcasts and uh, and the work, that, the rehearsals that we've been doing, they agree. The choir and orchestra are better than they have ever been, even this, despite all that time away. Yeah, you know, I watched the first presidency devotional the other night. When the choir started that, uh, what was it they did? Heart the Herald, I think they opened uh -huh. with. And I was uh, pretty floored. And I thought either they're better or I've been so away from this for so long, I, I forgot, <laughs> you know. I think it's a little of both, but they, they are, they have come back better. Yeah. They, they know what a blessing it is to be able to perform. Yes. And uh, just a word about that, Jeff. Um uh, one of the things that we worried about when, when we went back is that other choirs would say, oh, well, if it's safe for the choir, then it's safe for us. Yeah. What we test, and we still test every single performing member and everybody who's on close enough to them, every rehearsal and every performance. Wow. Yeah, you know, it's amazing what everybody's been through with this thing. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, I've seen it in uh, reactions from our readership and from our listeners. Uh, you know, they miss the connection. And this is what's so powerful about Christmas. I see it in a lot of different ways, not just in, in music. Um, you know, what 
Do you think this is going to do it for people this year? Two hours of the choir looking back on 20 years of just incredible stuff. So I have a question for you. Yeah. Did it seem like two hours to you? Not at all. And it's here we meet the army of people who create this one-of-a-kind celebration. There's a feeling of family, really. Volunteers and full-time professionals working side-by-side with great energy and commitment. When I go to the conference center and I'm seeing one of these productions, how many people does it take to do this? I can tell you that we consider in the choir organization that we have 700 volunteers. And it's actually more than that, but if you take out our guest organists that do help with the recitals and stuff, it's about 700. That includes performers, so the bells, the orchestra, the um, uh, we have the Herald Trumpets who are with us almost all the time now. Um, and uh, all the, the people that go to support it are this, the volunteer stage crew, the wardrobe, the uh, librarians, the other pieces. We have an office staff of 12 people. That's all the people that get paid. And then there are church departments. And I, I just gave out tickets. Uh, and so I kind of have a sense that it takes a, probably about 100 other people on stage to get between seamstresses and uh, production people, sound, lights, staging, all those people. It takes about a hundred more than that. So you're talking, um, and this year we don't have dancers, which would ordinarily add a hundred to 120. It could be a thousand people. This year, probably we're going to say 800, something like that, 850 yeah. to get it done. And that doesn't count. Um, what it takes to, to, I mean, you put it on an event with 21,000 people in the conference center, it takes 800 ushers. <laughs> so. Yeah, sure says they were sore afraid. But the angel said, fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David, a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. The choir um, uh, uses the power of music to help people feel the presence of the divine and appreciate God's love for all of his children. So there is no time better than Christmas for us to more completely, most completely, Fill that mission of bringing people closer to the divine when we're talking about the birth of the Savior. Maybe at Easter when we do Messiah. Right. Those are the times when when we are most on point with our mission. And we are being asked to be more supportive of the mission of the church and to be more um, connected uh, in our music and our messages to God and to Jesus Christ. And I think the choir has always done that. But we'll do a better and better job of it. Due to the ongoing pandemic, the choir for the second year in a row is foregoing traditional Christmas concert performances and is instead airing a special titled 20 Years of Christmas with the Tabernacle Choir, a television two-hour anniversary retrospective hosted by Brian Stokes Mitchell, star of Broadway and a past guest artist with the Tabernacle Choir. This special premieres on December 13th at 8 p.m. Eastern Time on PBS and on BYU TV at 9 p.m. Eastern on December 16th. 
The special contains never-before-seen new offerings from Brian Stokes Mitchell, the orchestra at Temple Square, and the Tabernacle Choir, including this new version of Infant Holy, Infant Lowly. The choir has also introduced a number of new Christmas offerings this year, including a new album with music collected from the Christmas concert events of the past 20 years. Titled Christmas Best, the album has already skyrocketed to number one on the Billboard Classical Traditional Chart. Um, This is the 15th time since the choir began its recording label in 2003 that the choir has charted number one on a Billboard list. But 15 times... Um, is a pretty uh, amazing achievement for any artist, and uh, let alone for a, a choir that's been around for 170 years. Yeah. So. The new album is a companion piece to the DVD of the two-hour documentary and a book titled Keepsake Christmas Stories, Holiday Favorites as Performed with the Tabernacle Choir, which features narrations and color photographs from 20 years of the Christmas concerts, is all now available. All of these selections are available for purchase off the choir website at thetabernaclechoir.org or the choir section of shoppbs.org.
What you've just heard is perhaps the oldest of all known Christmas carols, a tune now familiar to many, but it has a backstory that's largely unknown, and frankly, it's only understood by just a few. This version of the song was brilliantly performed by a trio of talented musicians who recently shared this from Temple Square in Salt Lake City, quite literally, in the shadow of where the Tabernacle Choir performs their Christmas concert each year. Like the Tabernacle Choir concerts, it is a Temple Square tradition to feature outstanding artists and their unique Christmas contributions for free for the community. With the pandemic, most of these performances are now virtual, which means that their potential to be seen expands tremendously, and it's beneficial for anyone who calls themselves a fan of the music of Christmas. The song is performed by Allie Gardner, who explains a little about this rendition and where it came from. Her duet partner is a friend named Wade Farr, who is of Palestinian heritage and comes from a family of Christians that dates back to the time of Christ. When I got home from Jerusalem, um, Wade and I just became really good buddies and um, were constantly passing back and forth little insights and things that we we learned from our time there. And he ended up studying Arabic at BYU. And so um, we just decided that this was something that was really cool to be able to use music to build bridges. And and I had already done a song in, in Mayan and um, and in obviously many in Spanish and in Hebrew. And I had just barely um, started recording an album at the time um, with eight different languages on it. And um, Wade and I talked and decided, why don't we do um, a version of O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, but put it in Arabic and English. And it was like lightning struck. (laughs) It was was a really cool, like, yeah, this is going to be a great idea. Her name, again, is Allie Gardner. And her links are available on the show notes for this episode at MerryPodcast.com and MyMerryChristmas.com. The reason I wanted to feature this song out of all the others I've heard from this year's public concerts on Temple Square is because this song, at more than 1,200 years old, has been recognized as a Christmas tune longer than any other on record. The words, as originally written in Latin, come directly from the book of Isaiah in the Old Testament, which predates the life of Christ by better than 700 years. There are words echoed in later works, such as Messiah by George Friedrich Handel. 
Giving it a Middle Eastern context adds to the traditional nature of this particular celebration of Christmas. Historians list this song and its original Latin words to an Advent tradition celebrating some various biblical titles for Christ. They are Wisdom, Adonai, Root of Jesse, Key of David, Dayspring or Radiant Dawn, King of Nations, Emmanuel. These terms, all used in various places and other sacred music at Christmas, all speak of not only the coming of Christ, which is what we celebrate at Christmas, but also hidden within the verses is a double meaning, phrasing which celebrates the second coming of Christ. The song, both anciently and even today, is traditionally observed during Advent between the dates of December 17th to the 23rd, and it's most certainly marking the birth of Christ in time frames, a kind of ancient Christmas countdown, if you will. Some take the verse from Isaiah, from which this song and others originate, to be speaking of someone different than Christ. The verse says, therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and will call him Emmanuel. But in the New Testament, it is clear that the angel Gabriel gave direction to name the baby Jesus. However, the name Emmanuel literally translated means God with us which is what the nativity celebrates and that the mortal life of Jesus Christ actualizes.
Based on the second chapter of Luke, the nativity story most familiar around the world, this song, the first Noel, is a reverent and emotional take on the human side of the nativity story. This was the closing song of the Temple Square Christmas performance last year by Tierra and Bryson Jones. Links to this video, as well as others from Christmas performances on Temple Square, are on the show notes for this episode at marypodcast.com or on our website at mymerrychristmas.com. We thank you for joining us on this episode of the Merry Little Podcast and thank the talents of Allie Gardner, Wade Farr, Tierra and Bryson Jones, and the great information shared by Scott Barrick of the Tabernacle Choir. We thank them for their contributions. And remember, if you are an artist with your great creations to share, please don't hesitate to contact me, Jeff, at MyMerryChristmas.com to reach out to our audience with your talents of Christmas. And join us at the Merry Forums of MyMerryChristmas.com where year-round, on a daily basis, we share Christmas with the world. On behalf of the Merry Forums, this is Jeff Westover of MyMerryChristmas.com wishing you and yours a very Merry Christmas.